Hello, everybody. Time for another Code Pen Radio. I have a special guest who just makes absolutely incredible art uh, and teaches it and all sorts of things. We're going to get into all that. It's Elethia. Hi, Elethia. How are you? Thanks for joining me on Code Pen Radio. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here um, with you today. So thanks for the invitation. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, where to start, really? I do. I think it was funny. I was like, do I have your name right, Elethia? And you're like, yeah, it's a, who knows? It's like a, it's like a Greek name. But then I, I notice when you introduce yourself generally online, it's that you're uh, from Mexico and living in Germany. So Greek name from Mexico, living in Germany. Amazing. And here we are together in a tiny little digital chat room. Yeah, my name is my mom, basically. So I don't know. She just picked it up from a book, so and she she told me it's Greek, so but it comes <laughs> together with Diana, you know, so Diana Elithia, so right, yeah, 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 it comes off nicely. Elithia rocks, excellent TLD, an amazing personal website. Congratulations for that. Really showcases what you can do, uh, and you know, meanwhile, making us all very jealous that <laughs> that you had the the time and wherewithal to put together a really cool website. And right away, what you see when you go to your personal website is ah, a bunch of donuts flying in the air, um, you know, pinks and purples and blues and and cubes and things. And it's just very fun and different and un usual and gets into that like what can you do with 3d on the web and gets in and then the thing that we're going to end up probably spending a good bit of time talking about is this whole concept of shaders which uh you'd think that i would know a little something about being that they show up on CodePen once in a while but i know so so precious little so i i wonder if we could like start in the middle and then see what happens you know on either side of it going backwards or forwards in your life or interests but like i just have to ask you about the whole idea of shaders and where it came from because i'm on this show i'm interested in what you're interested in, you know, like what, <laughs> how did you land there? And, you know, when I find somebody like you so into this one piece of technology, there's got to be a reason why, you know? So what is it? What is a shader and why do you love them so much? If you do. Yeah, sure. So um, I got uh, into shaders uh, around two, three years ago, not too long ago, actually. So, and I discovered them as I was uh, trying to learn WebGL and I got started with like 3JS, like I guess many people. And then I saw that you could do so much and I was learning that the, the material that you use in a lot of this 3D stuff, it's um, done with something called shaders. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and then as I was learning that at the same time, I think it was 2019, um, I was learning about the world of creative coding, which I wasn't aware like previously. Um, I mean, I've known CodePen, for example, for like a long time. And I knew about like making creative coding with JavaScript, CSS, HTML, but I didn't know about this other spectrum of doing digital art with it. And as I was learning that, and I already like knew some artists, um, from from that area and learning about new ones, um, I learned that uh, they were saying that uh, they were using shaders in a lot of these installations, huge installations that they would do with visual art. And I mm. kept hearing that shaders were great, especially if you wanted to become a digital artist doing installation work because um, of the precision that they have and, and uh, as well because you can escalate them as, as big 
not only like in your screen, as we see like in websites that have WebGL. And so those are kind of like the two reasons because I was still like doing front-end development and wanted to do do the jump as creative developer on WebGL. So I thought I should learn shaders so that I can manage to, to get more creative with WebGL if I do front-end work. And also because mm-hmm. I wanted to, to step in and do digital art like one day uh, in the scale of an installation and, and explore visual art with that. So so those are the two reasons why I got started with that. Right. Okay. So an installation, although that, that does really sound like a dream, right? Like you're ta- we're talking huge, you know, huge screens, right? Many, like a billboard almost size, right? And if that's the technology that you're up against, the t- or the, I don't know, the, that's a lot of pixels is the point, right? So the technology needs to be up for the job. Yeah, exactly. And, and shaders are super strong because uh, a lot of video games too are based and created with shaders. So, and and basically, I guess the, the power is that you work with the GPU. And I really like uh, an, an analogy that I've seen um, on YouTube, I think it's from the Mythbusters, that for example, uh, let's say that you have the Mona Lisa and, and if you compare shaders into making art with another technological tool, no, like let's say pure JavaScript, for example, and you would like to draw that, um, doing it with something that is not shaders would be like when you paint with a pencil, a canvas, like step by step. But if you use shaders, you have the power that is like a stamp, like in one print, boom, you, split, you can put colors in each of those pixels at the same time so it's much faster wow that's interesting like drawing with a stamp i like it exactly drawing with the stamp instead of like a pencil or i don't know how to call this yeah yeah pencil or brush or pen or uh is that (laughs) so just to like layer up the technology a little bit because even this is is just helpful for me you in you start with kind of like the we're talking about the canvas element in HTML, right? There's no special element for a shader or WebGL or anything. It's just canvas, right? Mm-hmm. And then WebGL is a technology that you can use on the canvas that's just good. That's particularly good for 3D. Is that right? And then 3JS is like a library that you can use to help you with WebGL, like I want to draw a box or whatever. 3GS will help you do that, but 3GS won't let you like, I don't know, maybe you need, is then, sh- let's say I have this 3D box and it's sitting on a canvas and maybe I can even move it around and stuff. If I want to paint, make it look watery or something, that's where the shader comes in, right? Is that, do I have exactly. that? Exactly, it's the material. That's why it's the called, ma- I suppose, the material. Okay. The material that you want to kind of use in your three D object, whether it's um, uh, like a cube or a sphere, or also it could be a plane, right? So, so that if you see it right. uh, across you, you might think it's two D, um, but if you move it, it's actually like you know, it's a three D plane. So. So when we yeah. uh, render shaders as visual art, for example, th- one of the things that I do the most, and, and if I want to render them like on the browser, I basically make a plane and then render what I do with the fragment shader in that plane. So 
but it could be a cube, like you said, if I would like to, to be 3D, the same art. I see. And then once you've made the, the shader or the, the material, is it e easy or complicated or somewhere in the middle to like to pick it up and then use it on something else? Like if you made it on the plane, can you use it on a sphere? Yeah. Yeah, that is very easy. Once you create it, um, uh, the way that you work with each other too is that you have the vertex and the fragment. There are two of them that um, you combine them to create that material. Uh, the vertex kind of takes the shapes or calls in the shapes of that those planes that you created, the little triangles, because the plane is basically as well created by little triangles. And then the oh. fragment shader is is what um, uh, takes care of the color of that material. And this is what uh, most of our people doing um, visual art, you use the fragment shader and not the vertex shader. When you want to do distortion, uh, for example, on a plane, we, we see these examples on the web often, like a photography that maybe you see that is distorted with some melting effect, then you might tweak as well the vertex which is those little triangles you want to deform it. So you, you play with these two shaders inside the shader. Yeah, fragment and what's the other one? And vertex. 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 Fragment is the colors, <laughs> RGB, and then the, the vertex it, you, when you want to manipulate or if you want to play with particles too. And and the other thing that I, want, I could say is that if you're using, for example, 3ES, Sometimes you don't have to code your own shaders because they have a lot of shaders already, like already pre-created oh, for yeah. you to use. So you don't have to code them yourself. Yeah, but clearly there's some creativity and things to be found. Well, you do do it yourself. This episode of CodePen Radio is brought to you in part by Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web. It handles all this hard stuff so you can focus on what you do best while earning revenue quickly. So if you're looking to add membership to your existing business, which is a great business model, kind of how CodePen works, if you want a solution that works with your existing technology so that you can launch a new revenue stream without rebuilding your entire tech stack, meaning they have APIs for this stuff. They got a full featured GraphQL API, webhooks, OAuth, single sign-on, all that stuff to make integrating seamless with any web stack. And it already works with the tools you already use. Like if you have a WordPress website, it works great with that. First class plug-in experience for that. MailChimp to send your newsletter. Maybe it's a paid newsletter, Memberful handles that. Uh, Discord integration, so your members can have access to a community uh, uh, as part of their membership, you know? And you can use a totally custom domain name. Everything is fully branded under your name. It connects with your Stripe for all the money stuff. It handles all the transactional emails, which is a whole bag of peanuts. It's probably worth it just for that. So great. Integrates into all those tools that you already use. So you have full control over your brand, your audience, your membership, everything. So get started for free, no credit card required. Follow the link in the show notes. That's memberful. Thanks so much for the support. You know, you uh, helped me out. We'll put a link to this collection of pens. Uh, in the in the podcast, you have creative work all over the place, but you know it's nice to be able to poke around on CodePen as well. Um, 
if starting from the back, the first one you have in there is like pink, you know, with some horizontal stripes on it. It's called the Roar typo. And it says the word Roar right in the middle of it. And it's typical to 3JS. It seems like you can move your mouse around and the word Roar is kind of rotating in 3D space kind of pinned in the middle. But it's almost like, you know, you, you can read the word Roar, but like almost just barely because the colors of the stripes and the colors that you've used, I guess, in the fragment shader mm-hmm. are the same. So the only way you can re- read that it's a word at all is that, you know, sometimes the like blobs and stuff that are part of the shader get cut off by the letter form. So you have to, it's kind of like a brain trick, you know, it lets your brain kind of figure out, oh, I see that's loosely making the shape of this word. Such a beautiful thing. So I have, did I have that right? That the, that's a fragment shader on top of the word roar. Yes, correctly. Yeah. I, I, I was, I created my own material and I was using in the 3S to, to do those 3D um, typography. And uh-huh. then instead of using a, a material that is already available, I wanted to practice and I created my own shader with those blobs. And like you said, yeah, I, I use the same color inside the fragment shader, um, uh, that is RGB base. When you like code with fragment shaders, you always have to think RGB uh, instead of like hex values in JavaScript oh, or CSS that you can use sure. in, in Shaderland. Always think RGB. And and one thing that I love about doing visual art is uh, play a lot with op art. And there's something about optical um, illusions mm-hmm. and that I find as a viewer. Uh, very entertaining, like you were just saying. I really like the that sometimes maybe you can find a different interpretation that that it was supposed to mean, or 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 a little bit like a challenge that uh, you kind of need to complete this thing because it's not completed there. So you have to think as you're looking at it. So, so that's why, as well, I, I I chose that. Right, it's just a beautiful optical illusion. That's a good that's a good way of putting it. It's like you're you're letting your brain kind of finish the shapes, and it's a miracle that it works at all. But it does somehow it feels just like very modern art to me. The the blobs and the movement. It's interesting to me that it would work. I feel like if you just stopped it at one frame, you could find the perfect frame that would look cool as like a album art or something. But the fact that it moves is so like of the web. It's so digital and cool that it's much it's much more interesting to watch it move. But I guess that's just there's just a lot a lot to love here. Um very cool. Good job. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I did that one by the way like the trader uh, mm-hmm. work that you see there which um, is this abstract blobs is one of the first exercises that um, I got to do like uh, when I was yeah, like learning how to draw with shaders so it's one of the first things like either draw lines make a grid make a blob yeah. so <laughs> well it turned out great and there's some there's kind of a funny and somewhat kind of wholesome comment thread attached to it on CodePen where somebody's like, I can't read the text very well, essentially. And you're like, it's actually part of the artwork that it's like that, you know, like I get it. <laughs> it's not, I understand that if, if this was like text that was meant to be read because it's important content on a website that, you know, maybe I should, yeah, it shouldn't of course, be an optical like, illusion. Yeah. 
I wouldn't do it. Uh, yeah, especially if you need uh, <laughs> some kind of accessibility in a website, but this is, wasn't right. meant for to be like art. Oh, but, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a design, piece of so. art. And then, and then they were like, oh, I get it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, so that's what I, I like it when people are, you know, they, they speak up, but that's not like they're closed minded to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just do another one because it's kind of fun. It looks like maybe this 3D Polaroid world one is uh, about the same time period. So, mm-hmm. and you can tell it's one of yours, right? It's the exact same pink. I love that type of thing, but but it involves some multimedia in that there's there's a sound cloud that plays that's kind of a, a part of the experience or whatever. I could see this being, I mean, use the word installation when you're talking about this. I don't know if this was bound for an installation or not, but it certainly could have been, especially with the the music being involved. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, this this was basically an inspiration. I was dreaming of maybe someday having a physical installation. And and actually, I was walking around the city where I live. And in a gallery, I saw there was a photography exhibition. And they, they had these huge um, Polaroids. Um were those that those photographies were in the gallery display but they were huge and and i got the idea and i was like oh that would be like awesome to to make them even thicker uh, so that they can be in the ground and instead of a photography having visual art moving uh, somewhere and and then i started to prototype as well just because i wanted to continue learning three years and how it works so i created this tiny gallery with four pieces in there and it was as well one of the basic shaders when I was learning again. It was just pure geometry. And I was learning shaders with the book of shaders. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a resource used by probably many that uh, if you ask them, how did you get started? Maybe they got started with book of shaders, uh, which I can totally recommend if someone is listening. Um, it's a wonderful uh, online book created by Patricio Gonzalez Vivo and his wife, Jen Lowe. And it's available in different languages. And it's it's a great way to get started because there are exercises in there. So so a lot of that art that you see in this 3D polar world are from those exercises um, from this book to get started. Oh, neat. Yeah. And speaking about the pink, I was using a lot of pink in the beginning because when I started to do more art, I kind of wanted to limit myself and not make decisions into colors mm. so i figure i'm gonna limit myself and i'm gonna try to make everything that i do pink which i no longer do now i have more flexibility from that but in the beginning it was good so that i i, I didn't have to as well like spend time thinking oh what color should i use which sometimes could take so long as well <laughs> when you're like designing something i get it i get it i mean you're learning maybe it's you know your own I couldn't tell you why. I mean, you explicitly said it's to it was to it was to limit yourself. But I can imagine being like, "All right, I'm learning about a hundred new things here. Can I take one away, please?" <laughs> you, know, you know, I know my in my own personality. If I were to get one of these working just in a flat plane, you know, I would have been like, "Oh my god, I did it!" You know, and I probably would have made the whole screen of the pen, that shader, you know, and then if I was going to do a different one, I would have probably make a new pen or something. And it would have been boring compared to this. You know, I always think of these little moments where people like you t- t- take, just take things 
not only one step further, but so many steps further. Not only did you make four of these beautiful things together, and I know they're, you know, they're riffs on exercises from the book, but they're still cool. You still did it. And then and then place them in a virtual gallery and then add movement to it that works naturally and then add color variations to it and then add music to it. You know, it's like you kept upping the ante over and over. And that's just such a wonderful thing. Yeah, I guess I, I really like to engage as well. You know, people when they see experiences. So I really like to get people to say, oh, wow, like, kind of like that surprise reaction. So always thinking like, oh, what can I add? What can I add here so that they can get this reaction? Yeah, the thickness is cool too. You're right that they, that that adds something to the installation feel to it. You know, they feel like these big, beefy Stonehenge kind of things rotating in the world. So you've only been doing this for, you know, a lot of these pens started in about 2020. And then, so pretty quick leveling up of, of, of that world and you're still at it. So maybe we could touch on that a little bit that like you've found enough interest in doing this and, uh, and some success. I think that, that you just, you found your medium in a way. I did. I did. Honestly, that's probably why I'm still like, and I've been able maybe to level up fast, but I don't think so. Sometimes I see other people like even leveling up in shaders faster than I. So I think it's very relative that uh, to like the person and the kind of experience that you have when you learn things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've stick with it because I discovered that this is really something that I truly love and that I probably was looking for or even before looking for it, I didn't even know that it was there for me to kind of have that click with this tool. And uh, I love it as a medium of expression uh, nowadays. So uh, I'm doing it like literally the past year more like full time. So, and I created as well a challenge for myself back then in 2020 to learn them. Um, And now I can find myself sometimes almost every day sitting at least for an hour to practice and do a shader and, and like everything nice. else in life, really, if you practice, you can, the more you practice, you can see yourself leveling up faster, right? So, right, right, right. That makes sense. And, and you've taken that in it. So it's, you know, there's probably some artists who, despite their medium, they are into the artwork and they just do that only, you know, that would be impressive enough if you found your thing and you worked on it every day and got better at it. But like so many people, I've created people I've talked to on this show, you don't just, just do it. You also help teach it and talk about it in all these other different mediums and stuff. Looking at some of your pens, the first one in the collection right now is, um, is titled Curiously Minded, one from a live shader coding session. So it's like you've got gotten into the streaming thing a little bit too, where you literally will like show people live you working on a shader and you're doing it collaboratively too with um, Eliza, right? This collaboration that I started with Eliza started around the pandemic, so in mm. 2020. And we met uh, in an online um shader workshop in fact as we both were like learning and then we uh we started talking like online i guess this happened a lot i would say when we were in the pandemic that you would start talking maybe more than usual with people online that you would meet and and then we decided to do a little collaboration where we would practice 
and we did it for a few months. We would just like sit and and chat and try to do a shader together in CodePen because you can mm-hmm. code at the same time, um, which uh, nice. I love with the, the collab mode. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, you get to see what you're doing right away. I mean, there's other tools to do that, but uh, I don't know. I really like the easiness in CodePen. And then after a few months, we decided, hey, why don't we give it a try and do like a streaming like on Twitch? And I think yeah. around that time, a lot of creative coders started to to, to create their own Twitch channels. And um, and we gave it a try because we, we talked about a lot about what we wanted to do with, or what we were uh, looking forward to have from the creative coding world. Um, and we had similar goals. And Eliza, as I, um, is self-taught. So um, we were talking a lot about that and about our experiences, how it has been. Um, and we decided that we wanted to inspire other people like us, that maybe they didn't come from computer science or math degree. And and I was yeah. telling Eliza when I met her that I was so intimidated by shaders the very first time that somebody sent me the book of shaders. Um, that I couldn't understand anything. Actually, I remember the first time that I browsed it, and and then I just dropped it. And and after half a year, I I took it back, and I was like, no, I have to try <laughs> harder. I really have to try. Like this cannot be impossible. And and then with more patience for myself, then slowly I could see that I was actually learning. Mm-hmm. So we talked about this because we said that I could see other people that maybe they 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 had these degrees that they would browse the book of shaders and they could right away like get started with creating their first shader and and so that's why um yeah eliza and i said that it would be cool to just like put us ourselves out there and code together live um so that uh, if there are viewers that were coming like like us and that that Mm -hmm. they might feel intimidated by such language um and maybe they wanted as well to do visual art with it um that they could be inspired to to be patient with themselves and 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 see the learnings, as opposed that uh, sometimes there are other creative coders, streamers that uh, have those backgrounds, and when you see them, they are, for example, much much faster when they are coding. And I, like if mm. I compare myself with that people, I'm much slower, but that's okay too. So well, certainly. So that was the 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 whole. Idea why we start currently minded and yeah, and now it's been a year and a half. It's so cool. Yeah, it, it seems like it does. I mean, I'm definitely at that moment where looking at the code d- d- seems very intimidating. You know, because it's it doesn't. One of the aspects that I find funny about it is is how it's it's it's. I guess it's a looks a little bit like JavaScript, but JavaScript doesn't have types, for example. And I look through some of these shader code that you post on CodePen and it's like, oh, there's, you know, floats and things and the way you define a constant is very different than how you would do that in JavaScript. So it's kind of a language all unto itself. Pretty interesting. Yeah, it's C-base, I believe. I don't know C, but uh, I, I know that JavaScript you know. is, is, is inspiring C-base, which is a type language. So uh, yeah, but there are similarities once you start writing. I guess with any language, when you're a programmer, once you like learn one language and then you try to learn, there are a few things that each language has, right? So kind of like when you talk 
uh, a mm-hmm. language, like not speaking about programming, but just speaking a language and you start learning more than one, you start finding these patterns. So uh, it's the same between GLSL and JavaScript solely. Nice. Well, maybe we'll have to uh, see if we can get a better syntax highlighter in there like kind of works in <laughs> in code pen but i'm sure i'm sure there's better syntax highlighters for it that would would do good in there so if we're looking at just this one this this first one in your collection the um with, with the kind of the yellows and the pinks and, and everything part of me thinks is that a whole bunch of squares and then you attached one shader to each square with different timing or is the whole thing one big shader it's one big shader but we were drawing for example a grid inside that one right. shader so mm-hmm. that was, okay, that's that the trick sense. that's why you see this kind of like diamonds in there because you can uh yeah just as you would do it i suppose as well like with either css or javascript we're speaking about web um, to just draw, draw the grid and then on top of the grid then we start adding those colors and and you can decide if you wanted to add them on top of that grid or in like some of those like slots inside the grid and then you can layer right. up things as you see as well there are like this uh distorted dots kind of like light at the top so right. so when you write shaders too i i always think a little bit of like Photoshop and how like in Illustrator or Photoshop, you had layers or um, a lot of this uh, software when you're designing and if you're creating things, you create a layer for one thing and then you add another layer so that you don't put everything on one layer in case you want to move them up. And in, in when you're working with a fragment shader, you can do the same. You can start like painting these layers and then putting on top of each other or in case you want to get rid of one of them or not, or just to have that effect. Right, right, right. So the little the little lights, the white light sourcey kind of things, they look like they distort to me. So that does that instantly make it a, a vertex shader instead, or is it because they're colored? It's still a fragment shader. No, actually, uh, you can still do some distortion like that inside within the the fragment shader with a little bit of noise. So uh, that, that's mm. not necessarily the vertex shader, especially because you can see it inside the dots. Um, you would manipulate the vertex shader maybe if you want to move or distort the full plane where we have everything rendered. But when it was just, as you see here, that is not like those yeah. diamonds that you have in the background, but only the dots, then you can use it. Um, you can do it by using noise. Um, and then you can distort any shape. Fascinating, fascinating. Yeah, and there's this combination of, you know, I, I think you, you probably have to level up to the point where you're at to, you know, to feel comfortable like like a musician does or whatever. I, I, I imagine when they're playing a song or writing a song or thinking about a new song, they might think a little bit about music theory and stuff, but it's much more artistic and natural than that and it's like if you're when you're building these really beautiful pieces of art it's not like that you aren't thinking about 
the number pi or sine waves, but you're just but you need to know them because you're going to you need you need the tool in your toolbox to to make the art. But I think the distinction is so interesting in shaders when it's like this is literally complex math and the result is literally beautiful artwork they just seem like whoosh worlds apart but they have to beautifully come together to make art well well that's the thing which i find interesting about shaders i suppose and and another reason why we do this live coding in front of people as well because some people sometimes is scared of learning to code because they think that they might need to know a lot of math and and just to get started, you actually don't need any math. I mean, just just to oh, lose really? kind of like that fear of coding, even with shaders, for example, there's no need to worry about math in the beginning to learn like the basics and to put the first things because, I mean, we all know a little bit of math, no? like the basic kind of right. math, like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. subtract, divide, multiply. So you, you use that little math in the beginning. And once you get comfortable like you were saying, if you want right. to get then kind of level up yourself and maybe try to do more complex stuff, then you get to learn a little bit more complex math. But what I discovered with shaders is that it's a wonderful way to actually learn that complex math because you have that visual that you're painting mm-hmm. as you're like, maybe, for example, like you were saying, maybe using a sine wave or using pi or or doing an, an angle with eight tons so it's just a wonderful way to try and see oh so what happens if i do a, an angle in, in in shaders and then you see visually what it is so i i, I would uh, say that i think for people that maybe is more visual uh, it, it's a wonderful way to learn math and to skill and level up your mathematics by by using shaders for example because then you get to see and try these equations and then Maybe if you would have learned the equation by itself, it wouldn't stuck in your head. But once you see the visual, then you know. And and why would right. you need it? So Okay. I I that really tracks with me. Because I, I you know, I loosely understand what a sine wave is. You know, it oscillates between zero and one or whatever as you as X goes up or something. I think there's some truth to that. I have never reached for a sine wave ever in my programming career, you know? I mean, maybe partially because that's not in CSS and I've spent so much time with that. Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. But even in JavaScript, you know, not that I'm some big visual artist or anything, but I definitely don't don't think of it. But I could see, I could see if I was, if I had some idea and I wanted some curvy-like aspect to it that I'd be like, hmm, sine is just sitting right there. Maybe I should try to feed it some values and see what I get out of it or, or something, you know? Like, I'm still scared of it, but I could see, I could see that being a little level up moment. Yeah, you should totally try. I mean, you were saying that, but come on. I mean, you do as well wonderful visual art yourself as um, front-end developer. I really love your designs of websites and little experiments that sometimes you do as well yourself on CodePen <laughs> with the series and JavaScript. So yeah, you should give it a try. And 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 I would say that for people that is scared, like just sit there and and try some equations and and don't think about like the math even maybe focus on what you want to paint and and then you will see that suddenly mm. you're learning math and you're like oh i'm learning now i know what this is when i'm like uh doing something visually that speaks more to me 
Yeah. That's great advice. The, you know, I'm always astounded by the the performance of them too. Like rarely do I have ever, ever seen a, a WebGL or shader driven thing um, feel slow. I mean, you mentioned that at the beginning because, you know, not only are they fast on your computer screen, but they can be fast on very large displays and things like that as well. But uh, it is appealing, isn't it? Knowing that these creations that you build can are just so smooth. Well, that's the thing. I keep thinking that uh, that's the difference probably now. So it's not like uh, it's like all the pixels like a stamp. At, at, the, at the moment, instead of painting each of them, it's like at the same time. So that's why uh, it, it makes it look so smooth. And and thankfully, I think the support as well of it, web browsers have uh, improved so much, so much yeah. like in the past years. Like even on mobile, nowadays you can see a beautiful shader in there too. So. Yeah. What's the kind of like the minimum amount of code you'd say to get this going it's like is, is 3js kind of a automatic that's the one library you need not necessarily uh in the in all my pens i'm, I'm using yes 3s just because i fear that it's kind of like the popular one and there's a lot of documentation uh hmm. to like start and even in the book of shaders by the way, um, they they teach you how to run your shader in several different tools. And if you want to do it in the browser, uh, Patricio suggests 3JS too. So you have a template that he gives as well. So, And that, that's the reason why I have it there. But there's there are other ways. For example, if you are like more pro into WebGL, you could do it natively with WebGL too. And in fact, in in the Mozilla web docs that I love, uh, there's a very good uh, template in there that you can as well grab with pure WebGL when you want to run a shader without any library. And then oh, there, are nice. other, there are other uh, WebGL uh, libraries where you can do shaders. OpenGL, no, OpenGL, oh. uh, what is it? OGL, sorry. OGL is a little library. It's very uh, lightweight. And and that one, if you don't need something 3D like a cube or typography right. or more more stuff that 3S comes with, then you could use something like that. And probably there are more that I cannot even remember at the moment. But um it's not only three years. It's just one of those astounding things about that. I'm looking at o- o- OGL now, eight kilobytes, you know, very, very small. Yeah. And then whatever you write as a shader, I'm sure shaders get pretty complicated, but the ones I generally see, there's so much interesting stuff that you can do in dozens, maybe a few hundred lines of code, you know? Is that, does that, does that seem about right to you? Or, or do you see a lot of, you know multi-thousand line shaders there there and yeah i've seen it i've seen it but definitely i was going to say that i can recommend uh if you were looking at ogl like for people that maybe just want to render maybe a shader in full screen for example which is basically a plane right ogl is perfect because then you don't have uh, you don't need all these kilobytes extra that for example three years well it has much more right so and if you are only using one plane um then ogl makes more sense so right I mean, eight kilobytes, that's, a, that's astounding, you know, and the, the, the demos are really cool. It kind of, I don't know, it opens your mind as much as, they almost seem underused to me with how small it is, how interesting they can be, how beautiful they can be. And it's one thing to look at a full page of it, but it's like, 
a lot of us do a little bit more boring, maybe a front end work where it's just like, eh, you know, this is a website we got to build for this conference or this event or this blog or this landing page or something to add something like really beautiful particles flying around for some part of that website. You're not talking about a megabyte of additional JavaScript or some heavy video file or something. It could just be a couple of kilobytes, Mm -hmm. which is just yet another really cool thing. Yeah. About chainers. Yeah, fantastic. Anyway, we've gone we've gone a little over half an hour. So I, I I hate to hold you. I just have so many questions that's so beautiful about this. We didn't even get a chance to talk about some of the cool stuff you did with with front end horse and all that stuff or your NFTs that are available. I'll put in um links to some of that stuff in the show notes. But I really appreciate getting the chance to talk with you and having you <laughs> help level me up a little bit about all this shader stuff. So thanks, Alithia. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. And it was my hope to maybe inspire some people to to get started with shaders who might feel intimidated intimidated about them. So to just just go ahead and give it a try. And, and maybe in the beginning, of course, like when you learn everything, uh, you might be very, very far from what it's in your mind. And that's very frustrating. But I always encourage people to just be patient, even myself, <laughs> that I have to be patient <laughs> when I'm learning a new thing because I want to just get there already. But I know that it, it takes some time. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that classic Ira Glass thing where he says that, you know, you're to be in the creative profession, you're, you know, you're basically constantly in this state where you're unhappy with your work. I forget the exact quote exactly, but there, especially in the beginning, there's a big disconnect between the, the taste that you have and your ability yes. to m- build things that are up to that taste. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But, but better there. Better. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you. Seven, six, zero, three.